six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. Another power. No change without struggle. No one in power ain't giving up nothing. No change without struggle. No one in power. W-O-R-T, 89.9 FM, listener-sponsored community radio, Madison, Wisconsin. And hello, welcome to A Public Affair. I am STD Noor. Before we do anything else, I want to thank Richelle, Nada, and Juliana for subbing for me while I was gone, especially during the pledge drive when circumstances took me away from here. So thank you um, for doing that. You may know that this weekend Madison hosts the 20th Catholic Worker Midwest Faith and Resistance Gathering. It starts today and goes until the 27th. It's a weekend to prepare for nonviolent resistance actions here on Monday, March 27th to oppose war and the F-35 fighter jets. Catholic workers are converging for Missouri, Ohio, Kansas, Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, and will be and are joined by Madison area activists. Over 90 people have registered for the gathering, and uh, you can join too. We have uh, three guests with us today to discuss the gathering. Kathy Kelly, you well know her. She's a peace activist, author, board president of World Beyond War. Kathy's activism and writing are focused on Afghanistan, Yemen, Gaza, and domestic protests against U.S. drone policy. In the past 35 years, her activism has led her has led to her arrests at home and abroad. She lived in war zones, notably remaining in combat zones during the early days of both U.S.-Iraq wars. And Kathy, I just checked. And the last time you were a guest on this show was on May 28, 96, when uh, you were still with Voices in the Wilderness. And we talked about five years after the start of the Iraq war. So thank you for joining us again. I don't know for I don't know how many times you've been here since, but quite a few. So hi, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we also have with us for the first time, I believe, Brian Terrell. Terrell or Terrell? How how should I say that, Brian? Uh, Terrell. Terrell. Okay. Who is with Strangers and Guest Catholic Worker um, and with the Nevada Desert Experience. We'll learn more about these things soon. Uh, with his resistance experience at the nuclear sharing base in Europe, most of them set to receive F-35 soon. Brian speaks to the international efforts of Catholic workers. And hello to you, Brian. Thanks for joining us today. And also with us is uh, my garden neighbor and fellow dancer and lovely person all around, Janet Parker. She is a mother gardener, musician, and war abolition activist in Madison, Wisconsin. Since last April, Janet and friends have held 27 war abolition walks in Madison to push for diplomacy to end the war in Ukraine and all wars. With Stefania Sani, another lovely person, she coordinates the new Madison chapter of the International War Abolition Organization, World Beyond War. Thank you, Janet, for joining us and, and for being one of the organizers of this gathering. My pleasure, Esty. Great to be with you. Great to be with all of you. So um, let's start maybe with you, Brian, since you are a um, Catholic worker. Can you can you explain what a Catholic worker is and uh, what you guys are doing here? Okay, well, um, the Catholic worker was founded uh, 90 years ago in May. Uh, and it's a way to, uh, you know, the founders, Dorothy Day and Peter Morin, were... Uh, were radicals, and for Dorothy Day especially, uh, as a new convert, she wanted to remain a, uh, a radical while being a Catholic. And it's a, it's a movement that, that uh, today has uh, 
expressions of it all over the world, some 200 houses and farms. And the, 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 the point of it is not charity, right? Dorothy Day said charity was a word that caught in her throat, that she, 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 she uh, saw that uh, we need to, to uh, change the world where, uh, and uh, uh, smash capitalism and abolish war. And uh, our houses are not are so much places of charity as they are places of, of, uh, of resistance. And a very important part of that is uh, what, as Catholics, we call the works of mercy. Um, uh, you know, feeding the hungry, uh, welcoming the stranger. Uh, but this is not, not uh, surface charity. This is, this is trying to change, change the world. So the Catholic worker has been very... Um, uh, you know, since the beginning of the nuclear age, uh, in fact, the, the Catholic worker and Dorothy Day were the first people after the bombing of Hiroshima that we know about. The first, as the world was rejoicing with World War II being over, uh, Dorothy wrote about uh, all the people who were incinerated in in Hiroshima and, uh, and you know, the first person to call what what happened there a crime so we've continued with that and we're we're uh uh so as you say the last 20 years we've been gathering um uh at different places we've we've addressed things like uh black lives matter we've addressed the the nuclear weapons plant that's in kansas city making the new versions of the of the nuclear bombs uh we've been at um uh protesting rotc at notre dame and a, a whole list of other of other things, so uh, we thought this this uh, joining the local people here in Madison seemed to be uh, uh, a natural thing. So we we're very happy to have an invitation to be here. Mm-hmm. And Janet, are you a Catholic worker? <laughs> um, you are uh, muted, Janet. Uh, I I'm a Catholic worker, fellow traveler for sure, and I've been okay. interested. In Catholic worker and done peace walks and Catholic worker demonstrations for my my whole life and my mother was a big fan of Kathy Kelly when I was a kid and you know, so um, it goes it goes back very deeply for me and um, I'm I'm a quirky Quaker um, but spending more and more time with Catholic workers. Mm-hmm. So uh, Brian, quickly before I go into other things, what's what's the relationship of Catholic workers with the Vatican? <laughs> it's probably a complex question, but let's let's be quick with well, it. Well, let's say say that there there there, there really isn't one. The, the Catholic worker has no institutional existence whatsoever. It's not incorporated. It's not on the uh, not on the uh, organization chart for the Vatican. Uh, as Peter Moore and what founder Dorothy Day said, it's an organism, not an organization, and it has resisted uh, incorporation. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a very, um, uh, it, it's, it's found unlike other institutions. It's found that that uh, being in a position of of precarity, of of going day to day. Uh, somebody said the reason why the Catholic worker survived all these years is because it's never made a priority of surviving. It's been cared more about the people than it does about preserving an organization and moving a gener- generation on to moving uh, an institution on to other generations. So, um, yeah, we, we, we are a very um, difficult uh, thing to pin down, and I think that's the... Uh, against all expectations, that's the the secret of the Catholic workers' uh, persistence. Mm-hmm. And Kathy, you are now the board president of World Beyond War. Like I said, um, our listeners have been hearing you through the years. Um, can you tell us briefly about uh, World Beyond War and why is the word "beyond" all caps? What What are you saying here? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that all caps. You know. Um, it, we're saying no war is justified. No war is worth it. There is no such thing as a good war. There's certainly no such thing as a humanitarian war. And uh, the idea of continuing to uh, create weapons almost seems to now create the reality where maybe once upon a time weapons were 
used to fight wars, but now we make wars to market weapons, I believe. And so World Beyond War wants to say all wars are wrong. And, and I'm so glad to hear that Madisonians have been walking with that message. It's especially crucial now, you know, what do we really face? What really threatens us? Ecological collapse, pandemics, nuclear weapon proliferation. And what does militarism do but further exacerbate those threats by creating competition and hatred and enemies and weapons? Yeah, so you've been at it for so long, as have I, and um, I think our other uh, participants today. Um, are you... Do, do you feel like you're doing what you're doing because you have to do and despite all odds, or do you actually think there's hope um, that we can abolish war? Well, this weekend will be quite a joyful weekend. When these Catholic workers from all these many states get together, people will be so happy to recognize one another again, and um, pandemic has kept people a bit separated, perhaps. Uh, I think that there's a tremendous um, draw to being able to catch courage from one another, and that's a good reason to continue. I was a bit surprised that Noam Chomsky almost sounded like he was you know, channeling his inner Peter Morin. He said recently, uh, David Barsamian had asked him, what's the secret to longevity? And Chomsky said, oh, there's no secret, just perseverance. And then he said, keep doing what you're doing. Don't give in to cynicism or pessimism. Uh, and then he said, and try to be of service to others and foster relationships. That's a bit of a paraphrase, but it was mm -hmm. interesting that he emphasized trying to be of service. And that's that's been kind of a, a good guidance that's come from many people within this broader movement of peace and justice activism. Of course, we should persevere, but also try to be of service. Yeah, and, and I would add, and maybe it is part of persevering, but... Um, I find that for myself anyway, continuing to be an activist, continuing to do the work uh, by itself is what carries me on um, and and keeps me from despairing, which I admit I do every once in a while, but not for not in the long term. Is that does that um, make sense to Sure. You guys. And, and then creative new things do keep coming along. I've been very energized to work on something we're calling the Merchants of Death War Crimes Tribunal, scheduled for November of 2023. And, you know, we, should, we certainly should hold ourselves accountable, hold governments accountable. But what about these major corporations? Ought they not be held accountable? You know, you can't say, well, they don't really know how their products are going to be used. Um, I've been with Brian in front of Lockheed Martin with blue backpacks recalling the children on a bus who were all killed by a Lockheed Martin weapon. Um, uh, our voices outfit poured red popsicle dye into the Chicago River and turned it red for a little while right outside of Lockheed to say that the blood flows. I'm sorry, Boeing, because the, the blood flows. We've read the names of victims in countless places, including at Fort McCoy. But um, I think these weapon military contractors do know that what they're producing is creating slaughter and tearing families apart and creating displacement that's unbearable, that the suffering that's still going on in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Gaza, they have to be held accountable to. Absolutely. Um, Brian, um, why did the Catholic worker decide to have your gathering in Madison this year? It's your 20th year, I understand. Uh, why are you coming here? Oh, um, <clears throat> because we, first of all, because we were invited. Ah. And I think uh, this is the, uh, this is an issue. Um, it can't be separated from uh, nuclearism and and the, the threat of nuclear war uh that we've been involved in you know in other places too it's 
in a sense, it's it's bringing the war home. And there are uh, you know the concerns that a lot of people in Madison have about the noise and the pollution. Uh, they're they're very very real, and can't be set aside. Those concerns, but it's but it's much much broader than that. And I, I've been these last uh, five years or so been very involved in with Catholic workers in Europe opposing the uh, so-called nuclear sharing. Uh, there are five bases in Europe uh, where. There are U.S. military um, squadrons, U.S. Air Force squadrons, keeping up to 20 nuclear bombs. And the uh, uh, in the local countries, the, the, the air forces of Italy and, and, and Belgium and, and Netherlands and Germany, uh, they have their own planes, which are, for the most part, switching over now to, to the F-35. In fact, the, the base in Holland at Vogel now is flying F-35s. Uh, with with every day with dummy B61 nuclear bombs, but ready to switch them off with the real thing. So so there there's all this fuel being wasted. Of all these huge air machines are going into are are polluting the the world. Uh, all to practice what will be you know what will be the end of the world. Uh, one thing that I that I think is fascinating a a, a compare that 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 a parallel is that if we don't know if the National Guard here in Madison is going to have actual nuclear weapons for the F-35s, we don't know because that's going to be a secret. That's, that's classified information. There could be and there could not be, but as local people have noted, noted that this is going to make Madison, um, surely make Madison a target for nuclear, a nuclear attack from somewhere else. The same thing is going on in Europe, where the the it's it's a open secret that the nuclear weapons are there, but officially they're they're not acknowledged. Uh, the the uh, the parliaments of Italy, Germany, uh, Netherlands, etc., have never approved this, and they're not officially aware that these nuclear weapons are there. And just as the city council in Madison, and just as the state legislature in Madison, and the people of Madison aren't going to know. Uh, and what could be more destructive to democracy than to take the decision, you know, the, the, even the knowledge of nuclear weapons away from away from the people, away from the parliaments. Um, but I think a thing to recognize is with, with the threat of nuclear winter, you know, it, it brings the war home and the understanding of the war to know that there, to the possibility of nuclear weapons being stored in Madison and of Madison being a nuclear target, it's it, it's chilling uh, to, to 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 think of that. But on the other hand, if a nuclear, even a small nuclear exchange with Russia, you know, the scientific um, consensus is it's going to lead to a nuclear winter, uh, and the people in Madison are going to be. Uh, you know, the people of Madison will die whether whether the if a nuclear attack is is at Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri or if it's at Minot Air Force Base in in uh, South Dakota, two very rural places, uh, or if a nuclear attack from Russia is on vocal air base in the Netherlands, it's still going to be a threat to the people, as essential threat to the people of Madison and the people of the world, and we have to. Well, we 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 very concerned about the the local ramifications of this and what it's going to do to the poorest of the poor here in Madison. Um, it has, you know, global. Uh, it's a it's it, it's a global threat as well. Yeah, um, Janet, I'm a North Sider. I live close to the airport. Um, I'll be one of the first to die, I suppose. Um, I think you are too a North Sider. Um, so I know that Alan did a show recently about the F-35, so um, I don't want to spend the whole hour talking about that. But if you want to just uh, go quickly over what the issues are with the F-35s, even if we don't become a target. Um, yes. Um, well, to me, and really this is kind of going to echo Brian a bit, but um, I, I think that, that the, the 2,000 people who have been part of Safe Skies, Clean Water, 
Wisconsin in a variety of ways, the people within Madison and the Madison area who have um, put time and effort into opposing the F-35s coming here have a variety of concerns that include uh, pollution, risk, the the noise, which um, of course is um, very hard on on kids and lots of children and schools and daycares are near um, the uh, the Air National Guard base, so the urban airport problems. But like Brian, um, I have a more of a global concern, and and honestly, as a lifelong anti-militarism, anti-war activist, when the decision was made and uh, to bring the F-35s here, um, one part of me said. Um, better here to potentially encourage the many people in Madison who maybe have time and capacity and the luxury to be able to speak out against war and militarism to maybe give us an extra personal incentive to do so. Not just about what's in our backyard, but about uh, the horrors of uh, U.S. militarism around the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I really, I, I see this as a, as a great opportunity. Um, I recently learned from Steve Klafka, um, who's been working very hard on the lawsuit that's now ongoing to halt the F-35s coming here, that really when, the, um, I think because of disclosure during that suit, um, we found out that although the Air National Guard at the outset said that there were going to be five potential cities where it could be, but actually they knew from the beginning that Madison was going to be one of the two. And it was really just a ruse, potentially, you know, I mean, my interpretation is that um, by taking several years of sort of pretending to weigh various options, that lots of activists would get involved, get discouraged, give up, so that by the time they made that decision a couple years later, uh, many people were deflated. My feeling is we sh- we sh- it's not over. It will never be over. We shouldn't have F-35s here. We shouldn't have F-35s anywhere. I, I love World Beyond War because like the young people in the Sunrise Movement, World Beyond War's mission is asking for the whole thing, abolishing war, which... You know, on one level, um, you know, when I when I first, you know, sort of heard that framing, I thought, this is never going to happen. <laughs> but World Beyond War training and education and the sort of uh, the the so, some of the the knowledgeable and hopeful people involved make the point that 200 years ago it seemed like slavery was never going to be ended. We still have a ways to go, but there's no government in the world that now thinks that slavery is acceptable. Humans can do better. We can abolish war. We need to. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going broader than your question because I think F-35s here in Madison are um, potentially a foot in the door for many of us, thousands of us, to rise up and say, we are paying taxes, many of us, and we need to stop this money being spent on the organized murder that is called war. Yeah, thanks. And and a quick question. Um, this was the first time that I've heard that uh, Madison was going to be the place all along. Um, any idea why? Is it because we are a progressive town and they're going to punish us? Or is it because we are a progressive town and so their pilots and mechanics and all that are going to enjoy the fun of living in Madison? Or is it something else? Do you know? I don't know. I mean, I've heard lots of theorizing. I've even heard people say that that maybe to separate Tammy Baldwin from her base because she would have to support it. And a lot of people who would vote for her here would then become angry with her. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure that there are many interlocking reasons. But to me, those local reasons just pale by comparison. Or I see them as a potential spark Mm -hmm. for us because we can do more this sort of privileged community that is Madison could be standing up. We could be rising up and a force for good. In the Vietnam War, Madison was a major force. In the war against, oh, in the fight against apartheid. You know, right now, depending on what, where you get your news, a lot of people who consider themselves liberal and leftists think some wars are a good idea right now. 
Yeah. Let me reintroduce our guests. Uh, you just heard Janet Parker, a local um, activist. And we also have with us Kathy Kelly, who is uh, a peace activist, long time and board president of World Beyond War. And also Brian Terrell of Strangers and Guests Catholic Workers and Nevada Desert Experience. And um, Kathy, I was actually going to ask you about Tammy Baldwin and what she represents because um, she's a supposedly progressive senator um, who is the one who invited, for all we know anyway, she's the one who invited the F-35s to Madison and despite many of us writing and, you know, not giving her money anymore and doing all kinds of actions against that, she is firm on bringing F-35. Supposedly it's going to bring jobs, which, I mean, right now you go all over town and there's signs of people looking for workers. It's not like uh, we need more jobs. Actually, we need more workers. Um but I'm assuming or I'm thinking that she represents more than um, more than herself, that um, a lot of um, um, other politicians or supposedly progressives are still in the pocket of the military industrial complex. Um, do you have a comment on that? Well, we sure saw that when we were tracing the uh, usage of um, the port in Marinette as a place for uh, shipbuilding and building uh, actually pretty flawed ships, apparently. And there was no way the elected representatives were going to let go of that plan. And they they um, championed the idea of continuing to even build warships that would be sold to Saudi Arabia. So it's, it's throughout... Every state, but I want to say right now, thank you to Tammy Baldwin, and here's why. One of your constituents, her name is Cassandra Dixon, is the person who has for years run a house of hospitality outside of Oxford Prison, and she works as a carpenter, and she's a beloved Wisconsin leader. She was in a little tiny village called Tuba, and um, she, Cassandra has been going there every year for years for a portion of time to help accompany the residents of Tuba who are very much at risk because settlers attack them. And so it's a good idea to have witnesses, observers. Well, that's what Cassandra was doing. And one of the settlers hit her so hard with a wooden plank that uh, she fell to the ground with a serious concussion uh, a bleeding brain is the condition she's still facing. And Tammy Baldwin's office has inquired, why did this happen? And this will actually make a positive difference for people in Tuba. So what does it show us? It shows us that sometimes you can reach the militarists and get them to start questioning, well, why would someone attack a 64-year-old woman who is accompanying shepherds and farmers. And I hope that more of that story gets disclosed because we also have to realize, I mean, I can talk about having been in Gaza when those F-35s were flying overhead, the Israeli Defense Force was bombing innocent people. And, and the reason I could sort of figure out, oh, that was an Apache helicopter that fired a Hellfire missile, but that was an F-35 that dropped maybe a 500-pound bomb was because the children taught me the difference. So I want Tammy Baldwin to keep thinking, to be resilient, and we must never stop trying to help people better understand the world we live in. Yeah, I, I appreciate your perspective. I want to add, though, two things. Um one about Tammy Baldwin herself, who has been a great supporter of Israel, never mind what. Uh, she has actually gone on delegations to Israel. She has never supported the rights of Palestinians. And it's true that she is um, 
bringing attention up in uh, DC now for the to the case of Cassandra Dixon but that's where it ends so um, that's problematic and also I'm thinking also Bernie Sanders who uh, supported and maybe still supports the f-35s in Burlington Vermont and um, so I I agree with you that um, we have to continue working and educating but um, I'm also really concerned about the reach of, of the military-industrial complex and of the Israeli lobby and so on and so forth. So, I don't know, is there, do you, would you like to respond to that? Well, there's so much to think about. You know, I was in Iraq uh, many times when it was under economic sanctions and then also during the shock and awe bombing. And why was that war fought? For, for what reason? And... You know, I think we do have to ask, to what extent were we supposed to be involved in that war because there was a desire to support the aims of the Israeli government and the maintenance of the 200 to 400 thermonuclear weapons that Israel had. So, of course, we always have to question, what is the influence of APAC on the U.S. government? What is the influence of these major military contractors, um, um, people who maybe are enthralled to some extent to people whose interests are not necessarily aligned at all defending U.S. people, as I said, from the real threats we face, like ecological collapse. But I'd like to hear more from Brian on this. If it's okay. Yeah, me too. Just uh, before we go to Brian, I, I um, want to let people know that they can join the conversation if they like, if they have um, relevant Things to talk about, 608-256-2001, extension 9. They can also join us on social media, at Word Talk on Twitter or A Public Affair on Facebook. And Brian, yeah, I would like to hear from you about that. And also, it seems like you have a uh, thought about why Madison was chosen for the F-35s. So go ahead. Well, as Janet mentioned, there's two cities in the United States that the National Guard is is taking this to. And and Esther, you, you mentioned uh, Bernie Sanders and his role in all of this. The other town is Burlington, Vermont. Um, and fortunately there, there there is resistance there as well. Uh, one thing that Bernie Sanders has said about it, um, he recognizes the, the you know the, the strange position he's in, but he says, I have no choice. He says he has no choice but to support the F-35. Um, and if a... Why does US he have no choice, Brian? Because he needs... He, he said because of all the jobs that it's bringing. Okay, and good job. Because I'm sure the, the money going into his coffers, uh, you know, he, he is very dependent on that. And he has no choice, but we do. And we have to exercise it. And the Catholic Worker Movement, I could have said too in the in, in the introduction of it, is a an anarchist movement. Doesn't believe the state is of much help <laughs> to anyone in any final way. But you don't have to be an anarchist to know that the these people that we elect and the bureaucrats who who are depending on all this for their jobs, they are not going to. They are not free to make the changes. The drastic drastic changes that need to be made immediately, uh, they simply cannot. That has to happen from the bottom up. Whether that means that they're no longer there or it means that they've changed their minds, uh, they, they, the best of them can only act if they know that there is a groundswell uh, of people under, under coming up for, for, from under. Uh, and the, 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 as Kathy's alluded to, the, 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 you know, the urgency of this is when we, you know, 50 years ago, we were dreamers, as John Lennon said. Uh, today, we are the people who are saying war has to be abolished. We are the hard pragmatists. We are the realists. We're the ones who are looking at the world as it is. The, 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 the solution is, the, the alternative is is the death of all life on this planet. And it's it is that it, it is that stark, and our society, our governments, uh, you in the United States first, but Russia as well, 
Uh, back in 2019, the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff came up with a statement about these new nuclear weapons that are now um, more flexible and easier to deploy, that now a a uh, commander can prevail on the battlefield with these new nuclear weapons. So the, the, the whole thought that nuclear weapons were, the nuclear war was so dangerous that it was unthinkable, mutually assured destruction is what's kept us alive. But, but that's, but now both in the United States and in Russia, there are people saying we can win a nuclear war. The commander of uh, Stratcom out of, uh, out of Omaha, the, the the, the, the person would have his finger on the button to to call down um, nuclear destruction said in back in November, this is a quote, he said, the U.S. should look to the 1950s to regain a competitive age. And he said, Ukraine is only a warm-up. So the people in charge actually think now, you know, the, the shift has changed. The nuclear weapons were intolerable, even as a deterrent. They're no longer being seen as a deterrent. They're seen as a tool of war that will be used if it's if it's not stopped. And there isn't anything else we can do. There's no, there, 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 there simply is no other solution than than to 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 abolish war. It's it's it is that stark. Yeah. Why Madison? Well, I believe it is. It, it, it I. It's it's curious that it's that the. the Two of the most liberal cities in the in the uh, in the country, and I and I think it's it's hard not to to get into a conspiracy, uh, you know, that this is a way to weaken, um, you know, to force you know Tammy Baldwin and to force uh, um, Bernie Sanders is uh, you're going to have to be a militarist, you're going to have to to jump on this bandwagon or you're going to lose your position and all the other good things that you might want to try to do, you're not going to be able to do them. And so you have to make this compromise. Um, and the compromises are such that, and I've, I've been very involved in, in, in the, in the, in the, the, the fight against nuclear weapons. I first was in Germany uh, marching against nuclear weapons in 1983 against the Pershing and cruise missiles. And we marched side by side with and under the leadership of the green party. If you're following German politics today, the Green Party is absolutely the most uh, pro-war party in Europe. It's mm -hmm. it's uh, all along the way. Weapons for weapons for uh, uh, Ukraine, uh, getting um, the the F-35 getting in, the 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 new nuclear missiles that are coming to Europe. Uh, every point, everywhere, that the, the Green Party is on. Uh, is in the leadership of support of of, of these things, and it started out again, try, you know, having to make compromises. How do we stay in power? How, mm. where do we, where, you know, and 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 it's it, it you know it, it leads it leads nowhere. I understand completely why politicians do it. I, I sympathize with Bernie Sanders and with Tammy Baldwin, but it's a it's a losing situation. It's a losing prospect to. To, to think that you can you know, give in on things like this. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to do a show about the uh, Greens in Germany. Um, Janet, let's get back to the gathering. We're kind of running out of time. Uh, if you want to tell us, just give us a brief um, lineup of what's going to happen and whatever you can tell us about the... Uh, um, the action or actions on Monday... Yes, yes. So here's the good news. This is a weekend when we have a chance to act and when we have some movement leaders like Kathy and Brian who are in Madison from around the country and who have just put together a fantastic weekend starting tonight. Um, and so I just want to welcome all listeners. Um, bring yourself, your friends and family, and come and act with us. Here's, here's, the, here's some of the lineup. You can see the whole thing, all the, all the public um, events on the Safe Skies Clean Water Wisconsin website. And um, so uh, check there, safeskiescleanwaterwi.org for all these times. But just a, a short uh, summary of what's, what's coming up tonight. Veterans for Peace, and I think you're a veteran for peace, aren't you, Esty? 
um, Veterans for Peace is presenting a documentary at 7 o'clock called Theaters of War, How the Pentagon and CIA Took Hollywood. That's a brand new documentary. It's tonight. Tomorrow, Kathy and Vicki Berenson and Steve, Stephen Klafka, um, Madison experts on F-35, are going to be speaking at a panel in the afternoon. Sunday, we've got Wild Church, which is a movement kind of growing around the country where mainline churches and others um, have uh, uh, gatherings outdoors. And um, uh, that's Sunday morning. Um, Sunday afternoon, the wonderful Danica Kotovich, who's the national co-director of Code Pink Women for Peace and who um, facilitates Code Pink's International Ground, the F-35 Coalition. She's going to be here speaking, and Brian will speak with her on Sunday afternoon. And then this was the weekend's all in preparation for people to get ready for the strong resistance action that we're going to do um, on Monday morning. There'll be various facets, and we're working in affinity groups. Um, some things yet to be determined, but we know that early morning on Monday, we're going to gather at the gates of Truex base and uh, act there. And then there'll be a walk from Truex to downtown, more opportunities to act downtown, lots of music and art throughout. Um, and um, yeah, so that's the, that's the, the quick, but again, safe skies, cleanwaterwi.org for all of the details. And if you think you want to act with us on Monday morning, if you can commit to nonviolence, come on out and support. And um, if you want to prepare and be part of the planning, then look at the Safe Skies site, click the link to RSVP, and we'll send you the, the, uh, the, all the details of, of what we're up to over the weekend, especially Saturday and Sunday afternoons. We're gonna be learning doing nonviolence training and preparing for a very strong action. And it looks like it'll be a big action because we've got uh, something like 110 people registered for this. And I think there's plenty of people who are going to be joining us who have not yet registered. Maybe you listening are one of those people. Yeah, and I'm going to try and come for uh, at least one or two of your events. And uh, Jade is telling us that she will link the um, the schedule to the web post of, of the show. Um, we have a caller. Steve, if you can be brief, please. Yeah, uh, guilty as charged of tooting my own horn per recent custom. Uh, I can't resist the, the historic family connection here. My mother, Amelia Louise Ponovchinsky, was a teenage volunteer with Ms. Dorothy Day in Manhattan Island in uh, the late 1940s. And so controversial was this fact within my family of origin that when I mentioned the fact during uh, Mom's eulogy in 2017, there was almost a walkout uh, during her funeral uh, by the old school Catholics. Thanks, Esty. Uh-huh. Okay, thanks. Uh, anything you'd like to say, Brian, briefly to that? Oh, I, I should say, um, I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and oh. I was 19 years old. I was a teenage uh, volunteer <laughs> at uh, the Catholic Worker in New York, and uh, I was there from 1975 to 79, and Dorothy died in 1980. So I had the, the privilege of spending my, my, my years that other people spent in the university. I spent uh, uh, with Dorothy Day and Daniel Berrigan, and I got to know Daniel Ellsberg and many of the other other than those people. So, so I'm just very grateful for that education and I'm glad to hear about your mom. And I, I really, I, I really understand. I'm really uh, glad that you mentioned it. And I, I, it's wonderful that there was almost a walkout. I think that's a great tribute to your mom and to Dorothy Day. Okay. So um, yeah, maybe you knew her, his mom. Um, Kathy, if you can, you, as, as your bio noted, you have been arrested many times and uh, I'm assuming all of these were nonviolent actions. Can you talk about the concept of nonviolent action and why you do it and why are you okay with getting arrested? Well, I think that nonviolent resistance um, can take many forms. Uh, you can refuse to pay taxes. We can um, go before judges and bring our messages into the courts. We can 
sometimes go to prison. And um, Brian and I have both had the experience of getting quite a lot of education by entering into the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Um, we, we really do believe that um, nonviolence is something that is a lifestyle choice as well, you know, living simply, sharing resources, um, but certainly standing up to and resisting reckless and uh, totally irrational death-dealing policies. Uh, you know, they, when a, a military person says this is a rehearsal, what are we looking at? A possible war with China? There's another military guy, uh, Charles Richard, he's an admiral, and he said in the event of a military entanglement with China, nuclear recourse to nuclear weapons will be a probability, not a possibility. So you know, we have to be very clear in articulating what alternatives we seek. And of course, the major alternative is to say no war, no violence, and redirect all of those resources, the ingenuity, the funding, the capacity to deal with the major threats we face, particularly the climate control. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brian, I um, looked um, at what Nevada desert experience is and um, what um, you folks are doing there. Can you tell us, um, well, what it is, why you're doing it, who you're working with, um, what's going on there in Nevada? Well, actually, I'm going to be uh, leaving, uh, not going home from, from Madison. I'm going to be flying to Las Vegas, and uh, I'm one of the organizers of with, with, with the Nevada Desert Experience, and we are, for uh, most of the last 40 years, we've had, in the week before Easter, a walk from Las Vegas, from downtown Las Vegas to the nuclear test site, more than 60 miles, and getting there in time for Good Friday to have have a demonstration at the at the nuclear um, test site. And along the way, there's not very much, but there is Creech Air Force Base, which is the, the center for, for U.S. drone wars. And this is uh, will be under the really under the leadership of the Western Shoshone. They they are the real owners of the of the land uh, that has been was taken forcibly from them in, in 1953, I believe, by the U.S. military to to test nuclear weapons. Um, so yeah, it's going to be very interfaith. There's we have uh, registered with us a Buddhist monk, and we have uh, the, uh, the the uh, priests of a local uh, Wicca temple are going to be with us. Uh, uh, we'll have a Franciscan brother with us, several Christian ministers. But it's going to be a very, uh, you know, just a, 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 some probably 40 or 50 people walking through the desert, uh, camping along the way, and uh, confronting the militarism um, that exists there, both at Creech Air Force Base and the, the nuclear test site. Mm -hmm. And tell us briefly, we did shows about the uh, nuclear testing there and the Shoshone um, resistance, but it's been a long time since we talked about that. So if you can very briefly explain what happened there and, and what the consequences have been. Well, one thing that's, that's, that's interesting this year is, is for many, many years, thousands of people who were in the 1980s and early 90s were arrested at the test site so much that they, the, the authorities couldn't deal with it. And so they just started arresting people and letting them go. But they just started prosecuting people again. And uh, I'm going to, on, on the 10th of April, after this walk is over, uh, myself and another person are, have a pretrial hearing at the court in Beatty. Uh, and we've already, uh, Nevada, and we've already issued um, you know some motions to, to say that we don't want the, uh, the Department of Energy, which runs it now, to be able to say claim that they own that property, and we're going to bring uh, people from the Western Shoshone National Council to testify to that. And the fact that the courthouse records have no, there's no record of this ever being changing. It's 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 the Western Shoshone land, and we have permission to be there, and also to talk about what's happening. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, there since the 1990s, there have not been um, any actual detonations of nuclear weapons, but it's the place is very, very key to the development of the new nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, they do what they call subcritical tests, where they bring 
materials up to fissionable materials up to the point of, of explosion, and then they, they can use, com use computers to extrapolate where that's going to go. So it's very, very key, and it's in violation of, of, um, of, of international treaties, the Treaty for, uh, for uh, the Nonproliferation Treaty, and also the government has been at Yucca Mountain, which is a part of the test site, the, the Department of Energy has been secretly bringing, it, it came out last December, secretly bringing in high-level uh, radioactive waste into Yucca Mountain, which is very uh, seismically vol volatile uh, as a place. Uh, and, and so um, this case will be interesting because both the Republicans and the Democrats uh, uh, you know, there, there's no Tammy Baldwin supporting the, the, the nuclear waste at the nuclear test site. Hmm. Uh, they're united about, uh, uh, about stopping this. And I don't think the courts are going to want to seem to be siding with, with the Department of Energy on this because the judges and prosecutors are elected there. So uh, it, it, will, it, will be an interesting, it will be an interesting case to be bringing up all these you know, um, you know, very, very important issues about indigenous people's rights, about the threat of nuclear war, about what's happening to, to the climate, um, if yeah. what's happening to the environment. So if we do this right, we're going to be very, very careful. If we do this right, we're going to be able to, to uh, bring these, these issues to the fore. And as Kathy said, that's one of the reasons for nonviolent direct actions. It's what, you know, it's what I can do. I'm I don't have any degree or I, I have now no expertise or any kind of job. I if I'm going to make any kind of impact on the world on these things, it's going to be through nonviolent direct action. There's there's no other I'm speaking personally for myself. Other people are in different positions in their lives. I have no voice. I have no leverage. I have nothing. That, that is your voice the world except except for putting my body over the line yeah and i i um brian i just want to hear from kathy quickly before we're done in about a minute and a half um kathy i did want to ask you about the 20th anniversary of the start of the iraq war i did want to ask you about uh russia and ukraine and why we hear about the horrors of Russia and uh, poor Ukraine and uh, we haven't ever heard that about Iraq and the United States and, and the uh, um, the atrocities that the United States has been committing all over the world. Um, so you have one minute, I don't know, um, say your last words for today. <laughs> oh, I think a double standard is so disturbing. I had a chance to talk with Ismail Dawood, who's um, an organizer with Iraqi civil society groups. And he said when he hears what Putin did in Ukraine, it sounds so much like what the United States did when he was a young boy in Iraq. And why is it all of a sudden permissible? If Israel can annex the entire West Bank and the United States will continue to support it, and yet um, you know, we see Putin as a monster because of the takeover of states in Crimea. Of course, the invasion was wrong. Taking over land is wrong. And Kathy, we, we are out of time. Unfortunately, thank you, everybody, so much. Kathy, Kelly, Brian, Terrell, Janet Parker, about the gathering that is happening this weekend, starting tonight and ending with uh, nonviolent actions on Monday. Thank you, Samir and Jade. I'm STD Noor. Stay tuned for the funny boys. We'll talk again next week. Bye-bye.